Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Trent Ward. He's the co-founder and CEO of Form Life, which blends the worlds of group fitness and strength training in a sleek design so you can work out and recover in the comfort of your home. Trent realized firsthand that a busy lifestyle makes it challenging to get to the gym. And so in the middle of a successful finance career, he shifted focus to develop the most complete at-home fitness studio he could conceive. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Vanessa. Great to be here. I'm so excited to learn from you because everyone has a such a different and unique perspective and, and story on how their business came to be. And I'd love for you to just kind of set the stage for us, share a little bit about your background and ultimately what led you to found form. Sure. No, um, as, as you said, I was, I was in, I was in finance, you know, long hours working a lot and I stopped working for a company, stopped going to an office. This is pre COVID, right? This is back when remote work was not a, not a thing and working from home and working for yourself you work harder, certainly, and you don't have a routine. And, and I found it really challenging to stick to my normal stop off at, at the gym or stop off at Barry's or do these boutique fitness things that I, I really enjoyed. And I, I started working out at home with a personal trainer. And it really was like a huge eye-opening thing that this was efficient, this fit into my life. Like I didn't have to you know kind of forget about that part of life that was really important. And so it was really that. And I, you know, Starting off with a trainer, working out at home, and this fit into life and busy life. And what year was that? And once you had the idea of, hey, I need to come up with an at-home workout solution, what were the steps that you took to get there? This is so. This was 2015, and I it was it was honestly some really like simple things. I, I realized working at home was efficient, i.e., um, not having to travel made it easier. Having someone tell me what to do. And not have to think you don't kind of, you know, you open the fridge and you're like, what should I eat? If you know what you're going to go get, it's just much easier. So when someone says, do these things, it removes friction from, from moving forward and just makes it feel easier. And then I started lifting weights again. You know, I was in my mid third, I played a lot of sports when I was in school and, 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 you know, I had lifted weights, knew what I was doing, but I had sort of thought that was a, you know, a football wrestling. That was a time in my life and I wasn't doing it any, anymore. And I realized that actually that there was another way to, to do it. And strength training was important and, and getting more important as I was getting closer to 40. Uh, and so it was that it was being at home, being told what to do and lifting weights. And the way I solved that was I had a personal trainer come to my house and I had a bunch of equipment there. Got to be frustrating when I, say, Hey, can I see you at 10 AM? And he'd say, no, how about 3 PM? And, and I was, you know, it's kind of this, this weird thing of like, okay, I'm a, I'm a customer. I want to buy this service and I can't access it, you know, because of that schedule. And so it was that, and obviously it was expensive and that that's there too, but you know, even if you remove money from it, I just couldn't buy what I wanted to buy. And, and then I also had all this equipment, which took up space and wasn't the most attractive. 
I could deal with that. But then there was this lack of measurement. And I was like, am I doing the right thing? You know, my trainer tells me it's going well, but I want to see some data. I want to see progress. I want to see this other thing. So it was, how do I, you know, weight training an activity to do at home on your own, you know, safely, you know, easily. And then there was another element, which was less, less of my issue, but it was something I heard a lot from my friends, especially my girlfriends where they didn't think weight training was for them or they didn't want to bulk up or they didn't know what to do. There's sort of these, these, this friction around knowledge or experience that kept them from doing something that I, you know, fully believe and know to be good for them. And, you know, it was like, how do you make this consumable? How do you make this an easy thing? How, you know, anyone can get on a treadmill or an elliptical or, or a bike. That's, and that's one of the great things about cardio. It doesn't take a lot of training or knowledge, but this other thing requires some of it. And traditionally you either learn it by playing sports or you pay someone to to tell you how to do it, right? But one's really expensive and one is largely, a, frankly, a male thing, right? In terms of, so you have this unmet need because of these barriers. And I was like, oh, make a digital weight machine, make it look nice, put a screen on there that gives you some content and this will be easier. And it was kind of that, it, was, it, it sounds a little unromantic, frankly, but I, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a systematic thinker. And I was like, these things work. And I started, I had the idea and I, called I, I called some friends that had gone to school with it you know were you know doing engineering things and said hey can I borrow your engineers how do I do this and that's kind of what kicked it off so that was end of 2015 beginning of 2016 now it just became a project and I played with it and and sort of kicked the ball ahead and and it was one of many projects I was doing and then I was introduced to my co-founder Eve Behar who's you know world famous designer um and he said, this is cool. I want to be involved. And, and that was, I'd say the, that was the moment it moved from my little idea, kind of the tinkering in the, in the garage type of thing to, okay, maybe there's something here. This guy's seen a lot of stuff. He knows a lot of stuff. He, you know, if he thinks this is interesting, like maybe that should pursue this. So that was, that was 2016. And so how has the product evolved from 2016 from what we're seeing today? Like how many iterations have you gone through or is it the original concept? So original concept, except for we decided to sell the display separately from the arms, if you will. So our studio and our studio lift. So the, 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 the original incarnation was studio lift and, you know, I based it off a, a free motion dual arm cable machine. You know, I was like, Hey, I know, I know that that's the thing that I can do everything on. And it's the smallest form factor. You know, I'd used Kaiser's before, you know, this, uh, this concept worked, right. I thought this fit into the home. I, I bought that, took, took the weights out. We put some motors in there and that was the first machine. And we put a monitor on the front. Eve's insights into that was, Hey, we should put a, we should turn it into a mirror because I need to see my form when I work out. It's good. But also when we're not using it, it will disappear into the home. And his whole thing is like things fitting into the home. You know, if you go to his house, his walls kind of close off everything. It's, it, it, everything looks super clean. And so really two simple ideas, right? This should fit into the home. It's a mirror. There's a display there. And it's a dual arm cable machine. And, and frankly, it hasn't really changed since then. We decided to, to separate you know, people who make displays don't tend to bend metal and people who bend metal and do things like, you know, uh, sports equipment don't do consumer electronics. And so we found when we went to Asia to, to work on manufacturing, 
two different supply chains. And so the people who make the iPhone make our display. It looks like a big iPhone, right? You know, these are kind of one of the best companies in the world. And the people who make all the weight training part that make the biggest bike manufacturer in the world, right? And they make the SoulCycle bike and they make a bunch of other stuff. And so these two pieces were created separately from a, I'd say, optimizing for risk reduction and and quality, but it allowed us to sell the screen by itself. And so that was an idea that we came up with last year. And frankly, it was seeing the success of Mirror and saying, hey, there is a market for this. I wasn't sure there was. I I was so fixated on the weight machine and, and what was my problem. But I realized actually there were there was a whole other market here where people had other problems to solve and our product fit that. And so that enabled us to kind of have a two-product strategy. And then we have a third product that's coming out that's software-driven, that's live one-to-one training. It's not hardware-driven, but it's it's more about a different type of content. So you know, this kind of whole, I say the portfolio has expanded, but the the the, the product that was the original incarnation is exactly as as expected. I love the concept of having something blend into the home. I think, you know, I'm a parent, my kids are teenagers. So this was quite a while ago, but I remember when they were little and your living room looked like a neon, like vomit (laughs) of plastic. And I love, and, and just, especially with people that live in urban settings, you have to have, you know, you might have a small space and you want it to be multi-purposed. And so having something that kind of, you know, if you have a dinner party, you don't have a huge, you know, Nordic track in the middle of your living room. You have something that kind of blends in. So that makes complete sense. And I would assume that a lot of people living in an urban demographic would be the people that would be consuming the product as well. So once you had the product itself, how did you go about assembling your team? Who were your first hires beyond the engineers? And we started, started working, you know, so we moved to kind of brand and creative and all of that. And, and, you know, met one of my other co-founders, Janet, who, you know, started, started as a consultant freelance and everything. And I think she just became really interested in the product. And, you know, I think she's super talented and she came on full time. So she's our chief creative officer. She, she's great, right? She's worked on massive brands like Target and Volkswagen and, and all of that. And, you know, it was cool because she was a runner. She was, you know, in her early forties, had a couple of kids, was a runner, was not a strength training thing. And so this was like the subject matter where I was, you know, having to, basically convince her in this. And, you know, so just watching her evolution as a potential customer and her seeing it herself, she sort of saw the power in this and, and the power in kind of helping people along in this journey. And so she was super instrumental and early and she brought a team with her, frankly, you know, which is why I think our content's so good and why our visuals so good, but she brought people she knew were great and then worked with for years. And, you know, the thing about this type of business you have hardware, you have software, you have content, you have design, you have logistics. There's a lot of bodies and there's a lot of different types of people, which is really exciting because it doesn't feel like the same thing. And But it's a, it does take a lot. And so it was less a, hey, here's the first employee. And then we went from there. It was kind of picking up resources in every different category. And you sort of, you know, is this a consultant? Is this full-time? What do we do? You know, and, and I think we, we've, especially because of remote and, and because of the growth, we've, we've now I had an interesting feeling where there are people that have started working here that I haven't, like, I haven't even talked to, you know, and that was like a weird thing. Cause I knew, every, you know, like my hands were all over everything and it was, but we've gotten to that scale now where I actually, 
I can't touch the edges of the pool, if you will. And it's a, it's sort of a strange thing. It's a, it's an interesting transition. I'm sure a lot of companies go through it, but I, I kind of felt that a couple of months ago where it's like, Oh, I think that person's on the team and I don't, you know, they connected to me on LinkedIn and I was like, they work for us. So it's, it's been good, but we have a bunch of engineers in San Francisco and a bunch of um, other people in, in Los Angeles, you know, and we sort of moved down here because it's the home for fitness. It's, you know, it's the home for content. It's the second biggest market, you know, and so it's the right place to be for what we're doing. And, and it's been great. So I've been down here for two years after a year in San Francisco, but I still go back and forth when I can. And so I think one thing that you've been able to accomplish that's really a big deal is creating this partnership with Barry's, right? That's kind of merging the brick and mortar world with the digital world, which to me is an ideal partnership because, you know, you really need both components to move forward as things, you know, quote unquote, return to normal and, and, and whatnot. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how that partnership came to be and how long it actually took to execute. Cause I think a lot of people see, you know, the headline like, Oh, Foreman Barry's have partnered, but I'm sure it took a bit to get there. So I just love to hear the details on that. Totally. Uh, and you're hundred percent right, Vanessa, that, you know, it's an ideal combination, you know, at home and, and in person. Uh, and it, and frankly, it was, it was probably, you know, in, when I originally wanted to develop form, it wasn't a workout at home all the time. It was Monday through Friday when I was busy, you know, getting my workouts in, but on the weekends, I, I you know, I was going with my girlfriend to berries, right. Or to something or to, to a plug. And that's sustainable to me. And that's realistic, right? Like sometimes I want to get my workout in and I'm trying to be efficient. Sometimes I want the best possible experience, which means going somewhere and doing something with other people. And so this hybridization is, is something that I, I kind of was embracing from years ago. And, and COVID, I think, made a clearer distinction between the two. Hey, should we see each other in person or do it on Zoom? Should I go in person or do it at home? And I think that distinction has been really helpful for people to embrace both of them. And it's not one or the other, right? And, and I don't think that all one or, or the other is sustainable. I think you need both. People want to see people, people want to do things, but you can't always do it schedule-wise, cost-wise, everything. And so I think these, you know, when we, when, when I was introduced to people at Barry's, you know, LA brand had a bunch of people in common, someone that, that we had hired, had a connection with them. They were talking and it was like, oh, we're looking for a hardware partner. And so it, it started off as a conversation last August, August 20. So to give you a sense that you're right, it did take a while. And it took a while because it's a, it's a, it's a really in-depth partnership and it, and it was a big commitment on both parties side and, you know, like getting married, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. You know, there's a lot of tech integration there. There's a lot of content integration. And, you know, look, Barry's is a, it's a billion dollar business. And it is a, you know, I consider it best in, the cl- best in class for what it is. They have a great brand. People love them. Their community is, is, you know, very involved. And they, you know, they took their time and looked at all the options and, and at the end kind of selected us. And what it came down to was it ended up being, you know, there's, there were plenty of kind of conversations before, but the meeting was pretty short when Joey, the CEO, um, came to see the product in person and he came over to our office and he, he looked at it and he looked at, I'd say some, some other com- competitive stuff. And he's just like, this is pretty simple. That looks great. I want to be on that. Right. And, and, you know, I think, you know, if you, if you know anything about berries, berries is very 
focused on their community and their people, and they are very focused on their brand. And this was the best place to showcase that. And, you know, we produce all of their on-demand content for them. You know, it lives on our device exclusively or on their app. They've installed our devices in every single one of their locations or will by the end of like September, maybe we're kind of rolling it out and it's a multi-year, you know, long-term partnership. And I think it's, you know, we're, we're, we embrace our members going to Barry's and introducing people to their brand and their experience because it's great. And we also want to be able to have that experience at home. So it, I think it really works. I, I'm really excited by it. You know, one of the other, one of the other interesting things is, you know, they're an LA brand. They've been doing it a long time, but they're also they're very values based and they're just like great people. And it's been really enjoyable to work with them, you know, and we have numerous touch points up and down um, the org chart. And so very much partners, you know, and I, and I've, I've loved working with them. I think it's so, yeah, (laughs) I think it's so important that the brands align, you know, sometimes you see partnerships and you're like, wait, how do those two brands even connect? It doesn't really make sense. But when I heard of your partnership, with Barry's, I think both brands are elevated. I thought the at home and the in-person, it just makes complete sense. And then especially with you having storefronts moving into the Barry's spaces as well, it all makes sense. So at what point in your business did you decide to open up storefronts? A month before COVID. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I was having the conversation again this morning. At the time, the decision made a lot of sense in hindsight. It, it, you know, it was hard to control. So we, my thesis, my belief was that people really want to touch and feel these things before buy. And, you know, I, I had some, I, you know, I had some insight into like how Peloton dealt with their stores. And I knew from having people come into our office that the moment they saw our hardware relative to competition, it sort of ended the conversation in a, in a positive way. Right. It just, it was very clear that you know, there's this weird thing. If you're looking on your computer screen or your phone at two devices, they, they naturally have the same resolution because they're on the same device in person. It's more about the native kind of resolution on those devices. If we're 4k screen, that's absolutely gorgeous. Like, and it, it's like when you go to Best Buy and you look at an old TV and a new TV, that's kind of what it looks like between our product and some of the other products out there, but that doesn't come across when you see it in person. And so I always thought we showed best when people saw us. And I thought it was an important part of, uh, especially with the digital weight stuff of people saying, does this feel solid? Does this feel good and smooth and all those things? So uh, in the kind of customer acquisition route to market perspective, I thought it was an important point. And, and I sort of thought about it the same way, like me as a consumer, like I'm pretty confident, you know, there's a, there's a brand of car that I'm, when I buy a car, you know, next I'm, I'm going to buy, I've already sort of decided that I like the, the, the ethos and everything. It, it, it's a Tesla. It's not, you know, but it's, I, I, I don't like going to the gas station. I, I want to, you know, and the environmental stuff. And I don't know which one I would buy, but I've decided I'm going to buy one. I know I'm not going to buy it until I go and sit in it and drive it. That being said, I know it works. There's lots of people that have them and like them. I know how to drive a car, but just, I want to touch it myself. Right. And I think that's just natural for, a, you know, when you're buying something that you're installing or it's a higher price point, you just want that feel good moment of seeing it yourself. And so I thought retail was a great place for us to be. And, you know, Westfield is a mall operator. They got malls all over the world. 
they were really excited and they said, actually, so I went to them and asked for one storefront in LA here at Century City, which is kind of, you know, I'd say the best mall here. And they said, you know what? We'd love to launch you. We like this category, but we think you're, you know, you're the best position. You're the highest end one that fits our brand profile. We'd love to put you in, in all of our kind of high end malls. And so it's a church. So we actually went to 11 and, you know, they were mostly one year leases, but you can imagine that one year was not really the best year to be trying to get people to come in and see. And, you know, so we delayed them a bit. We started opening them last summer. And I think as we moved into the bearish relationship and started to get to that floor plan, and we have a few other partners that are going to give us physical space as well. When those leases started to to come up, we, we didn't renew some of them. So we'll have eight stores now, three more will close in September, just normal lease turnover. We have five that go through the end of the year, through February, and then one more, and then the other one will persist. That's kind of a, you know, a flagship type of thing. So our approach, what we thought or believed when we did that and moved into retail, I think still is true, but the expression or the tactical way of executing that has changed based on the market changing and, and opportunities coming up. Right. That makes complete sense. You're still able to achieve the objective through partnership. So why would you take on the overhead of a lease? I mean, that makes complete business sense. Would you say that COVID made your business or this you were on this trajectory regardless? Both. And it, it did two things. And it's kind of different, different time horizons. It made everything harder and slower and more challenging. That was, you know, we're dealing with hardware. So when we're all in an office and you can touch something, that's one thing. When you're now out of the office and remote, you have to replicate that hardware and send it to people. So shipping and this, and that was hard. Not being able to fly to Taiwan to be involved in a number of these things, supply chain tight, everything. So just everything's taking longer. Something that should take 30 days takes 90. And we're sort of like, but why? Like, because there's 60 days of work ahead of you, right? And, you know, so, and that's like the, the fitness market, right? At home, everyone decided to buy stuff for their home. So anyone that was making bikes or other stuff all of a sudden had massive amounts of demand and you don't just increase capacity. So it, it, it instantly with this, with this type of product. So made everything harder was a real challenge. However, it accelerated the market towards digital. It increased the awareness of working out at home and it made things like Peloton a total household name. So it grew the market and made this a real category and accelerated things, but it made it harder. So there's kind of two things going on there and net net it's a positive, but it's kind of the, you're going to get a better Christmas gift, but you're going to have to wait longer right? type of thing. So it, it, it was a mixture. Huh. Right. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. So I think sometimes when people think of working out at home or, you know, buying fitness equipment for their home, they think, okay, like I remember, you know, growing up, all my friends, their parents had like a treadmill in their bedroom and it just ended up being a clothes rack or they had an elliptical that just like never got used. And so I'm curious, Trent, as to like how you engage consumers or members after they buy the product, like how do you keep them you know, how do you help them get results? How do you make them, you know, not make them, but how do you encourage them to use the product and, and you know, beyond the purchase? Uh, I mean, look, that's the most important thing. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fitness products out there that they've sold you once and then you never use again. You know, given the, 
the large amount of capital it takes to make these things and to go to market, that type of business model doesn't work, right? That's your, you know, your traditional consumer electronics business where you spend a bunch of money and, and, and you buy it once and it doesn't work. That's your, your Fitbit, your GoPro, these things that kind of got really excited and then sort of came back down to earth because you, the battery runs out and you forget about it. Right. Uh, with this business model, you really, you, you have to believe that people use the product and they're going to get value and get results in order for you to, to pursue it. At home fitness has always been there, right? Per your friends, families with, with treadmills and whatnot. It's always been more convenient and it's always been more affordable. It always lacked in engagement though, right? And running only looking at the wall. Maybe there's a TV, but like, it's hard to get excited. And I think with the advent of streaming technology, you got new content all the time. And you got to be able to connect to other people. And, and, and so the connection of these connected devices meant that it was a different experience or at least a novel enough experience every time you did it that you could come back. And so that's the big difference between these two devices and the, 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 the treadmill of yesteryear and, and now with these new devices is really that engagement factor. You, your results, when it comes to fitness, like I think the, one of the biggest factors is really just consistency. It's not, did you work out 10 extra minutes or five extra minutes that day? It's, do you do this three times a week or four times a week or whatever, or is it temporary? And having it in your home makes it just much easier to have it be in your schedule. And if you do it more frequently, you get a better result, which means you want to do it more often, right? It's like learning a skill. You want to, you want to do that more often. So we have at home devices have a naturally inbuilt advantage because they're at home. The drawback is it's not as great as going with friends to go do something or it's not as engaging potentially. So you do everything you can to, to increase that fitness content is perishable. You, if you missed last week's class, you don't go back and make it up. This isn't, you know, a serial TV show where you want to see episode four and five and six, like you just want the new one today. And so you have to constantly make content and it has to be fresh. And so that that's a big part of it. If you get something new every day, it doesn't feel as repetitive and sure it's, it's still riding a bike or it's still lifting, but it's like watching sports. You already, you know, basketball is the same thing, but you don't know who won that unknown of what's going to happen. What are they going to say? What are that experience going to be? That's what kind of keeps you excited and engaged. So it's engaging content. It's developing a relationship with the person you see on the screen. Are they a real person or are they an actor? Do you actually care what they have to say? Like you're spending time with them and you have to like them. So that's a big thing. Results are non-negotiable, right? If people aren't finding that they're feeling better or stronger or, or you know, heading towards achieving their goals, they won't do it. So that's kind of a big driver of tracking progress. And so those are kind of all part of the, of the product. I would say that we also you know, are doing our best to tell the members about other types of, of content that maybe they wouldn't normally choose, right? You know, it's a the Netflix suggestion box, you know, we have a real human actually reach out to people. So we have all these trainers that say, Hey, I've noticed you do this. Have you taught this? What are your goals? Maybe here's the way to do it. You know, I think we have a, a little more hands-on approach and, and we're able to because we're, we're still young and early. I think it, once you get to a very large scale, it's a little harder, but right now we're kind of leaning into talking to a real live expert and kind of helping you along. So you said something that kind of triggered an idea for me. You said, you know, it's about connecting with the person on the screen. And it made me think about this concept of fitness celebrities, because I think that's something that's kind of, you know, there's all these 
fitness influencers and and whatnot. And I think anybody that's taken a group fitness class knows that sometimes that instructor can have like a cult-like following. So do you, when you're acquiring talent for, you know, for a form, are you looking for somebody that already has a following or are you creating those fitness celebrities? Uh, it, it's a little bit of a, a, a mixture. I mean, I think naturally people that we would be attracted to and, and, and want to work with already have some level of following, but it's not, you know, do you have X number of followers on Instagram? It's more just, they're just naturally the people that are successful at this, you know, are attracted to other people and, and are, you know, people want to follow them. And so there's, they already kind of have that. Um, but I think taking, you know, maybe it's someone that has, you know, local following and giving them a real platform to reach more people is exciting for them. And it, you know, it's introducing people that we really like to a bunch more people. So I think it's the, the, the whole a star is born, right? It, you know, which one is it? It's both. I think it, it really is. You kind of can't have one without the other. You know, likability is a big factor. Do you just like that person? Do you want to spend time with them? You know, and if they're a likable person, they, look, they need to have legitimacy and they need to be able to, you know, have, have the right credentials and all of that, of course. But at the end of the day, if they're a pretty likable person, they've already got people to follow them and, and want to hear what they have to say. Um, Right. It's like that lightning in a bottle. Right. Those those people that just have that charisma. I think we've all, you know, worked out with a trainer or taken a group fitness class where you just like you love that person's energy. You're like, I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to do whatever they say. Like, I'm just along for the ride. You're going to spend a lot of time with this person. You know, it's to be honest, it's not dissimilar. You know, there's certain people that watch like morning uh, news, you know, when they're making breakfast and coffee and this, are they really listening? No, it's sort of background noise or it's Johnny Carson. You know, it's someone that you're comfortable with in your home through a digital medium and you just have to genuinely like the person. And there's different, different strokes for different folks, right? Some people want the taskmaster. Some people want the peppy person and there's no right answer, but in general, the, the, the most consistent thing is they're likable. So last question here for you, Trent, how have you funded the growth of form? With, with, with capital, but where does it come from? For private individuals primarily. So, so we've raised, this is getting close to a hundred million dollars now. And that's a, it's a, a non-traditional path. It doesn't show up on PitchBook or, 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 or any of these other things, Crunchbase, you know, the, I came from the finance world. And, and, and so this was raising capital and, and being around capital and investors is a something I'm comfortable with. This business model uh, doesn't fit well in the venture world. I know there's like big venture checks out there and whatnot, but like just given the return profile and the amount of capital and, and, and the risks, combine that with me just being a first-time founder and not being a tech person, not being a fitness person, you know, I found more success raising capital from family offices and, you know, and the nice thing about it is, well, the, the hard thing is it comes in smaller checks than when you find a VC that writes you, a, you know, a big one. But on the other hand, it's very patient money and it's supportive and it's longer term. And, you know, I think our goal is to build a really sustainable business and that's that type of capital fits better. You know, not to say we won't raise money from institutions, but to date we've had success with kind of private individuals. 
Anybody that's an entrepreneur is definitely nodding their head saying, you know, access to resources is very important. So it's been such a pleasure to learn from you and, and learn about Form. If somebody wants to connect with you or learn more about Form, how can they do that? Uh, website's a great place, as is Instagram. So the website is, is formlife.com, F-O-R-M-E, uh, L-I-F-E. Um, and then Instagram, this is Form Life. You know, that's where we kind of put most of the stuff out there. There's occasionally some, some LinkedIn things, but you know, it's still a consumer company. People want pretty pictures and, and whatnot. But also there are 45 various locations across the US and, and then we have five stores as well. Los Angeles, New York, Santa Clara, Chicago, and New Jersey. So there are numerous places to find us, but definitely the website's a good place. Great, thanks so much, Trent. Hi everyone, this is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.